welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing Mutt But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. I'm Salim Sitterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Shula Jr. Edward, how are you doing today? I'm good. We got about a few more days. Well, it'll be about a day uh, when people are hearing this, but the draft is coming up Wednesday, and we already have a lot of moves getting made uh, today. I mean, we saw with Chris Paul going to Phoenix, uh, there's rumors with James Harden. Uh, potentially being on the move so the rumor mill is really heating up but i'm good everything is everything how about you good good yeah excited about the season getting going we're we're already seeing some chatter around the league with a big trade happening with chris paul to the suns uh bulls stuff happening with minor stuff but not nothing too big like qualifying offers being extended and and things like that or or not being picked up yeah so it's exciting to see that. Um, I think we got an exciting show today, a fun show with a special guest who will give us his thoughts on uh, the Bulls front office overhaul, the draft, uh, some free agency talk. Um, the pet, and our special guest is Brandon Scoopy Robinson, who's a senior writer with Heavy.com. Scoop, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Man, I'm good. Thank you for having me. No, I appreciate it. I know you you're a busy man, but I appreciate you taking the time to joining us. Um, so let's let's get into it. Obviously, one of the, the biggest move the Bulls had this offseason was to overhaul their front office. And then by doing that, uh the new uh front office, namely Arturis Karnishovis, brought in a brand new coaching staff, upgraded scouting, uh beefed up even player development. Uh, by doing all that, what were your thoughts on everything that they've done so far as far as those moves are concerned? I mean, they're the Chicago Bulls, an iconic franchise. Uh, and when you look at last season, um, there was a lot of disappointment, particularly because, um, I mean, Zach Levine was averaging about 25, 5 and 5, uh, but injuries were their Achilles heel, uh, really and truly. Um, I sat down with Zach um, back in February and uh, we talked about his all star snub. And, um, you know, he felt that he was a top 12 player in the Eastern Conference, which he is, um, but he can't do it by himself. And so when you look at the perspective of, you know, Zach being the guy uh, on that team, you know, who's who's the second in command? You know, when you look at it from a perspective of um, death, you know, Kobe White was, you know, third in scoring on that team. Um, but, you know, really and truly, I feel like he played out of position. Uh, during his his time under uh, head coach Jim Boylan. But I I do think, you know, Larry Markman being hurt was a big issue. Uh, Wendell Carter uh, Jr., um, in and out of the lineup was an issue. That is, Young never really found his place uh, within, you know, that rotation. But um, to bring in a front office uh, that includes a tourist kind of service uh, and, and, and other pieces as well, um, I think it's 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 a step in the right direction. Um, you know, in talking to Kobe, Kobe has you know iterated to me that you know he has a good vibe, you know, with the front office, and um, you know he bring in Billy Donovan, who if he's able to do a fraction of what he did uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder this past season in Chicago, you know the Bulls can be a seventh and or an eight or an eight seat in the Eastern Conference uh, this coming season. So, what do you think about? the Bulls being able to add to that mix with Zach Levine, with Kobe White. They possess the number four overall pick in this draft in a few days, and nobody really knows what direction the Chicago Bulls are going to go in under Arturis Karnischewicz and Mark Eversley. There really doesn't seem to be an inside source in there revealing their plans right now, so it seems like they really could go in a number of directions what do you think about what the Bulls might do with this pick and how that pick could potentially complement players like Kobe White and Zach Levine? So um, you asked the question specifically about the draft. I want to get to that first. Um, you know, there this is going to be a very interesting draft um, because um, a lot of teams – could trade to move that are you know in the top three or four could trade to to get multiple picks, or they can use their picks to get players. You know, and so you know you 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 see that specifically with Minnesota. You see that specifically with you know the the the, uh, the Golden State Warriors, um, and and more specifically, um, you see that with 
you know, different things that are coming out, particularly like, I feel like teams are dangling or, or more so the reports that are coming out about uh, teams dangling Zach Levine uh, for, for, you know, picks and, and other stuff. You hear Dallas's name a lot as a potential buyer uh, in the draft and, you know, potentially, you know, trading some things to make some things happen. I know Minnesota's been contacted. I've heard Minnesota's name attached to Chicago's name attached to Dallas's name. So this is a lot of talk, a lot of conversations uh, that are being had. Um, and so when you look at the Bulls and what they can do, I think their, their, their biggest um, um, hurdle um, is a complementary piece to Levine. You know, you have – guards you know you I mean Chris Dunn you know could be out of here but at the same time you, you look at um the fact that you have Ryan Archidiakono you have Kobe White um but I think that they they have death with 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 um Larry Markin and he's just been hurt you know you but I feel like they don't have like a like they have Zach Levine who, who's a who's a swing but you need like a if he's Vince Carter you need a Tracy McGrady alongside of him can you get that in the draft um that's going to be. I don't know if that. I don't know if you'll find that. Um, but I, I think ultimately, um, when it's all said and done, um, I think the Bulls and the Knicks in this regard both have young teams that just in, they're in similar spaces but different spaces. Mm. I think you have to lower your expectations and just let them play. Like to be honest with you, I felt like the Bulls should have been in a situation like the Phoenix Suns last year, where they should have been in the bubble or Sacramento in the bubble. Yeah. I feel like under Billy Donovan this season, um, I, I think I think, I think think they can make some things happen. But, you know, when you look at the draft projections, I know that uh, – I know the Bulls – the Bulls draft seventh, correct? Fourth. Fourth. Don't, fourth. Fourth. don't, don't put seven on us. Not not now. <laughs> seven has been a ha- yeah, haunting yeah. us the last, like, three years. So we finally got away from seven and, and moved up. <laughs> Power forward is is the spot where you know they really need some help. You know, um, they have Thaddeus Young, but I think you know Thaddeus fits more at this point into a San Antonio or, or Indiana where he came from, or Utah. Uh, I know Denny Avija is a guy from Israel that you know that has been talked about a lot. I was I was tweeting about him the other day. Um, he's I feel like he's another Lowry in some aspects because he can he can handle the ball. Um, he can he can move in the pick and roll. Um, and, and, and so you know, that's that's what a lot of the, the a lot of uh, experts are saying that that Avija is the guy that you know will come in and and potentially make some things happen at six nine two hundred fifteen pounds out of Israel. You you mentioned the trade rumors involving Zach Levine, and we've seen them. There's been rumor there was rumors last draft that Zach Levine could be on the move, so he's always in trade discussions. But overall, do you think it's worthwhile? for the Bulls to even move Zach Levine right now I know we've on this show we've gone back and forth on it a little bit because while he is on a team-friendly contract we don't know if the new front office will invest into him long term beyond that so given that do you think it's worthwhile for a team like the Bulls who aren't really that we don't know if they're a playoff team yet they're clearly not title contenders or anything like that so is it what do you think? I put it to you, I put it to you like this. Um, I have been writing and reporting about Zach a great deal during the, the, the summer months um, as it relates to his future and speaking to folks within his circle. And, you know, he has two years left. Um, and, you know, the biggest hurdle was Boylan and Boylan's issue with Levine. Okay, we got that out the way. Um, he, he seems pleased with Billy Donovan in Chicago, players coach. Um, but, you know, in the next two years, you got to also remember, he signed with Sacramento, the Bulls matched his contract. So he already showed you in some respects, maybe Chicago wasn't his first choice. Mm-hmm. But as it relates to just, you know, him and, and just his future, he's engaged now. He's looking to, you know, he's going into the next phase of his life in that regard. Um, you know, there was talk about the Nets and the Knicks uh, back in, in um back in the early summer as, as potential putting potential fillers out that the Nets got to have, have more important things on their minds these days. Um, but as it relates to the Knicks, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if that were something that could potentially happen, you know, he played on the top Thibodeau, 
uh, in New York, or excuse me, in Minnesota, and Tibbs is now, you know, Bulls, former Bulls head coach, former Timberwolves head coach, now head coach of the New York Knicks, and, um, you know, there's prior relationship there. You know, you want to be in a place where you can be a star, but the Knicks, like I said, have a similar situation that the Bulls have in that they're trying to build an identity and build a culture, and that takes time, and many people are, 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 are uh, impatient, particularly being – you know, Midwest or East Coast, and people want those quick results. And like I said, the Bulls are an iconic brand, um, won multiple championships with Michael Jordan. And I think the Knicks, like the Bulls, the fans are owed some type of competitive product on the floor. So to answer to your question, I think Levine is a draw. He's definitely a draw. He definitely, um, he definitely, um, I think fans like him. I think that, um, the issue was, you know, adding pieces that help him and them in the long term. You you bring up how the Bulls are obviously iconic franchise, obviously with the '90s, the Jordan days, and since the '90s ended in the last maybe five, ten years, it seems their reputation around the league has been really muddied. Um, a lot of a lot of with the former front office, uh, there was a lot of you know gossip and bad vibes and things like that. Do you think that with Karnishovas coming in, with him getting Billy Donovan in here, do you think it's really helped the reputation or it's not really, you know, that wasn't really the problem with the Bulls? Um, I think that just the Gar Foreman and all that, that era of basketball, like I just think that post-Michael, the Bulls haven't had an identity. Um, and I feel like one of the things that I think helps the Bulls, even with like interesting coach. I know Wes Unsell Jr. was was a guy that the Bulls were interested in potentially hiring. I know that um, you know Adrian Griffin at one point was was someone that was interested. They were interested in David Vanderpool, Kenny Atkinson. Um, there were certain guys that they that they were bringing in. You know, with with a tourist. I know that him and he, being in Denver and um, you know putting together a team that, you know, made it to the Western Conference Finals. He has a history of, you know, a new era of basketball. It's not like you're hiring somebody for nostalgia's sake and then hoping that they'll bring them something. It's not like they're bringing Phil Jackson back, but in a front office role. Yeah, this is a guy that, you know, has the ear of certain players. And, you know, it takes time. Like I said, the Bulls are a young team. Um, you got Shaquille Harrison. You have uh, Tom Tomas Sadoransky. You have Denzel Valentine. You know, you, you got guys, but it's going to take time to gel. I know, you know, in the next two years, um, Levine's contract is up. And from, you know, folks that I've spoken to, you know, they've told me it's going to be on the Bulls' onus to to kind of, you know, upgrade. So, I mean, I, I think when you look at a situation like Zach Levine, if Zach is impatient, do you – do you, I know Buddy Hill has it's been reported he wants out of Sacramento. Do you, in turn, you know, go after Buddy Hill? This is, this is speculative, nothing I've heard. But that a Buddy Hill that, you know, would, would or someone like him who would you know, like to grow with a young team that's competitive, that's further east. Uh, you know, those those are things that you might address, you know, um, in, in, in trade talks or future free agency. So I just think there's a lot to consider um, with the Bulls. And I just think they don't, like I said, they don't really have an identity. Do you think Zach unfairly gets blame for some of the Bulls shortcomings. I think a lot of, uh, I think some fans look at Zach Levine as just a one dimensional guard who he has improved over the years, but the criticism is you look at him and you say, you can't really build around him as the centerpiece or maybe even one of the centerpieces. And obviously with that comes critique of his defense and whether or not he is, a good enough playmaker to justify keeping around long term. So, what do you think about just the, the general criticism that Zach Levine gets as the being the guy? Franchise. You're the face of the you're the face of the franchise that comes with it. You can't you can't order um, a, a, a Whopper on the Burger King menu and not expect to get calories with it. Like that's part of the job. Mm-hmm. It's part of that's part of the that's part of who you are when you're the face of the franchise, winning or not. And um, I think Chicago has been a lot more patient with their teams 
than say a New York or LA the last 10 years. Yeah, it's interesting just because the dynamic of this roster you talk about is a very young team and there's a lot of you know growth that needs to happen. Um, I think one of the biggest needs for this roster is probably a uh, a lead initiator that would kind of put things into place. Uh, I think take that pressure off of Zach not to be that guy having to make the decisions and then also being the go-to scorer. Um, and Bulls fans are kind of hoping a guy like LaMelo Ball falls to four. Uh, what are your thoughts on a guy like LaMelo Ball, and how would you see him fitting in with this roster? Um, I know that there are a lot of teams that are interested in LaMelo Ball, uh, even those that are not in the draft picture, the Toronto Raptors being one. Um, LaMelo Ball, I, I got a chance to uh, spend some time with he, he and his family and watch him play live uh, when he played in the, the, that, his dad's basketball league. And to me at the time, he seemed to be very um, like, a, like an unpolished Tracy McGrady in Orlando. Um, and then speaking to some people overseas who, you know, who, who have watched them, speaking to scouts, speaking to broadcasters, um, the, th- the gauge that I get about LaMelo Ball um, is he is very, um, very, it, it reminds me of a, a newer version of Brandon Jennings. If you remember Brandon Jennings when he, mm-hmm. when he went to, uh, when he played overseas in Italy. Uh, after not, you know, deciding to leave, not go to college after high school, and he got the professional game under his belt, playing with grown men, and also getting discounted uh, Gucci uh, deals because he's in Italy. So, you know, he learned how to spend his money. He learned how to be frugal. He learned how to, you know, just um, be a man amongst boys or a boy amongst men, rather. And I feel like Lamelo is wise beyond his years because he's had that experience. And I think that, um, you know, for him to come to Chicago, um, I mean, like I said, I, I, you know, I believe it was reported today that Anthony Edwards will be the number one pick. Um, you look at number two, Golden State would then make that happen. And, you know, from all indications, from what I've heard, you know, while Philadelphia is one of the teams that's monitoring James Harden's availability and the potential trade as is Brooklyn Nets, you know, from, from what I've heard um, and from people that have appeared on my podcast, Scoopy Radio, uh, it's been said that there could be a potential three-team trade, you know, between the Warriors with the second pick, the 76ers, uh, as well as the Toronto Raptors. Um, and I think that if, if it's to happen, you know, uh, LaMelo would then go to, uh, to potentially go to Toronto. And it would be great for his brand because he signed with Puma. He would have the Kawhi Leonard effect. You know, essentially where, um, you know, Kawhi was selling New Balance sneakers to the city of Toronto, but the country of Canada. You know, Lamelo is used to playing overseas, being a global brand. He's been in Detroit working out. I know Detroit has been rumored uh, to have interest in Lamelo. He lives out there. His, his agent is actually from Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Over the weekend, he worked out with, you know, Jalen Rose, uh, Detroit native. So, I just know that there's a lot of there's a lot of smoke and mirrors as it relates to to that. But I, talent of Lamelo's caliber, I don't really see him moving past three or four. Three really. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I, we we would hope that we would hope that if he's there at four, that he would be the guy that uh, AK goes with. But it'd be interesting to see what what happens there. Yeah. Yeah, you would you would have to take Lamelo Ball if he well maybe not have to, but I think just because of the playmaking upside, it's it's so different than anything else that you have on this roster. So I, I bring that up to say, as a hypothetical, when you mentioned the teams who are interested in Lamelo Ball right now, do you think it's worth it for the Chicago Bulls to be a team that moves up for Lamelo Ball if he is there at two, or even if? Minnesota is saying we're going to take him at one. Do you think he's someone you would move up for? Or is it just too many, too much well, downside? Hypothetically speaking, I think he's the piece that Chicago could use because um, I look at what he brings to the table. I, I made mention at the beginning of this of our conversation, I feel like the Bulls are missing that number two guy. You know, they're missing that guy that 
is um, a scorer that's a distributor. Like to me, Zach Levine is a swingman that can play the role of a distributor, can pass the ball, can rebound, but his gifting is in scoring and getting to the basket. You need somebody like a LaMelo Ball to take that pressure off of Zach to be that team's LeBron comparatively, where he's filling up the stat sheet and giving everybody a ball. LaMelo can shoot. LaMelo can score. Um, LaMelo can pass the ball. Um, uh, I think he's a complete player. I think he's got leaping ability. I think he has leadership ability. <clears throat> and I think, you know, if there's, there's, there's something that is un, un, something unwritten about. I feel like you, you become a, a top NBA player by osmosis when you have a sibling or a parent who, who did it. It's a case study on life. You look at Steph Curry, who's Del Curry, his dad played. You look at Kobe, his dad played. You look at Kenyon Martin Jr., who's in this draft, who's, you know, his dad, Kenyon Martin Sr., you know, playing in the NBA for multiple years. LaMelo learned watching his brother, being from California, watching his brother, you know, Lonzo play for the hometown team. Um, and then taking that experience and going overseas and developing into your own person. I think that's a cool experience. And I think that because of his dad, people will give him a lot of crap for it. And I feel like that doesn't take away from his brilliance and his level of just being a, a good player. So on the, like the low post, um, Zach Lowe and, and and his guest uh, Jonathan Givoni were talking about Bulls potentially trying to move up for a Lamelo Ball. What would you think would be a good uh, if you did move up to to trade for them uh, with the fourth pick? Um, would you would you be comfortable giving up like a Wendell Carter Jr. or do you think that's probably too risky to to do that for this draft? To trade Wendell Carter for. Wendell Carter and the fourth pick to move up. Do you think that's risky for this draft? Because, um, like me personally, I, I I think that's a little risky just because I, I think Wendell Carter has a lot of untapped potential that probably wasn't utilized with the last coaching staff, and I think he could probably develop better under this new coaching staff. Bill told me last summer we spent some time with him. You know, his 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 two things he wanted to work on was his post moves um, and his defense and, you know, and I think, you know, this season he was in and out. He was hurt. Um, to me, if you move up, the person that makes the most sense with the team that makes the most sense is Minnesota with the first pick. Um, I feel like the number two pick, the Warriors have a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems earmarked for Philadelphia or with Philadelphia or Dallas and a combination of different people in some way. Um, I think, and I think a lot of things go through one and three. If you move up to three, maybe. If you move up to one, definitely. Um, I think with uh, Minnesota, or rather with with the Phoenix Suns now getting Chris Paul, that diminishes Minnesota's hopes on getting Devin Booker at least right now. So if I'm Minnesota, you know, is that something you do? Like Anthony Edwards. I don't know, <laughs> you know, so there's a lot, there's a lot to consider there, you know, between picks one, two, Philadelphia at large. Um, I haven't heard anything about the, in stone about um, the Bulls, but there's been talk that there's about eight teams. You hear Atlanta's name being brought up as a potential, as potentially moving up. You hear Dallas's name. You look at expiring contracts that the Oklahoma City Thunder have and all the draft picks that they have. You know, you look at, you know, Stephen Adams and, Danny Green and you know, all those names, like, you know, aspiring contracts are very attractive for, for teams. The Knicks, you know, are looking for an expiring contract. You know, the Sixers, you know, it, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a pecking order there, but I don't want to ramble, but I, I do think that um, Chicago in the fourth pick, um, you know, they have inquired uh, Minnesota to Minnesota as, as, as has Atlanta. So it'll be interesting. So Casey Johnson uh, over the weekend or maybe it was sometime last week said that there were there was a growing belief that the top three would be LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman in maybe not in that order, but that would be the top three uh, in this draft. 
So if that plays out, what would you do if you were the Chicago Bulls at four with all three of them off the board? Would you go with someone like Denny Avia? Would you look to move back or is there someone else you would target for? I think that this draft is so shaky. I, I would try to get two picks for the price of uh, one. Ah, okay. It's a, it's a popular idea. A lot of people do want to move back. I, I guess almost almost so popular that you would say that maybe every team would be trying to move back in this draft, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, I guess, because – the Bulls are in a, in a tough position where guys that they probably really want, it's past that third pick. We don't know if that guy will be available, and I think mainly it's LaMelo Ball. But there's also the, there's other guys on the board where you feel like if you want to go with like a Isaac Okoro, for example, or a Devin Vassell, um, it might be a reach at four, and maybe you can trade back get another asset and, and and take one of those guys and go from there. Yeah. It's a lot to consider. Yeah. So uh today we got news that Denzel Valentine and well Denzel Valentine had his qualifying offer tendered by the Chicago Bulls and Chris Dunn did not get a qualifying offer. So he's going to hit a free agency as an unrestricted free agent. What do you think about those moves that the Bulls or that decision that the Bulls made. A lot of people figure that maybe Chris Dunn was worth keeping around after having a really breakout year as a defender, whereas Denzel Valentine not having really an elite skill, but some theorize that maybe he is the type of player that the new front office likes because he can shoot, he can pass a little bit, he can you know, he's play. a glue yeah. guy. Yeah, he's a glue guy. So what do you think what do you think about that? Good move by the Bulls front office? Yeah, I think um, they're weighing all their options, and I feel like they're, they're kind of um, – I think Ryan Archidiakono is a blue guy too. I think, you know, he's, he's – in the, in the sense of he is a, a vocal leader, he, he commands the respect. I think he's a future coach in the NBA at some point, but he, I don't think he can do with Denzel. I think Denzel and, and Ryan do two different things, but I think as it relates to Chris Dunn, you're right, Chris Dunn defensively really did – help Chicago in ways that I think people questioned it the year before. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, who is Chicago's point guard? You know, and I think um, as it relates to Curtis Dunn, you know, I think that this is a point guard driven league. Um, so I, I think if, if you know, I, I think Chris Dunn is, is he's, he's not a Derrick Rose. He's, he's not a, he's not a Chris Paul. He's not a Rajon Ronda, but you know, for his skill set guarding those type of players, you need that. Going into uh, free agency, obviously the Bulls don't have a lot of – they don't have cap space at all. All they have is their mid-level exception, which will be about like $9 million. Um, obviously they can look to make some trades because they do have uh, some large expiring contracts that they can probably use to match um, if a player becomes available. I know there's big names. I know Chris Paul was someone that I was looking at, but obviously that's no longer an option because he went to the Suns. Um, obviously, Russell Westbrook's out there. Uh, he's looking to move. Uh, and obviously, from Houston, he he doesn't seem to be happy there uh, in general. And then, obviously, there's other smaller players. There were, Bulls were linked to guys like uh, Derek Jones, Jones Jr. That's kind of a versatile wing that can play multiple positions and really be a you know impact player uh, and come and fit in well with a young group. Uh, what do you think the Bulls should really try to focus on? Just continue with this young group or try to make a big splash and, and, and speed things up? I think they should continue with a young group, but they need an enforcer. They need like a, like a, like a, a young OG, like a Jay Crowder. Ah. Or, or, or Mason, I mean, Mason Plumlee for, 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 will be a free agent who comes off the books this year in Denver. Um, I, I just, like I said, with the Ryan Archer Diakono part, I, I have, oh, excuse me, not Ryan Archer Diakono from the, um, uh, I've been running all day. Um, from, <laughs> Chris Dunn, are you saying? Or? No. Uh, I lost that train of thought. From the perspective of Larry Markinen, thank you. Larry Markinen, like 
I think you need an insurance policy in that regard. I think you need a big man. I think you need a guy that holds guys accountable in practice. I think, you know, a guy like a, Drake, a Jay Crowder can do that. It makes him plumbly to me. He's been around the block a while. Um, and I also think they need a shooter, someone of a Joe Harris caliber. I believe he's an unrestricted free agent this um, well, this offseason uh, mm-hmm. as well. I know that the Nets' is, uh, big um, focus is getting a shooter. Um, I look at I look at that, but I, I think ultimately, if you know all the things happen the way that some do think will happen in Brooklyn with James Harden, does he fit in that mold? You know, so then you look at a Chicago, but you know, I, I think ultimately. The Bulls are a young team. They have to grow. I think even looking around like an Alonzo Trier type of guy, um, a guy that, you know, came out hot, what, about a season in, a season and a half ago. Um, he's a guy that, you know, could be paid attention to. But I, I think ultimately, I think the team is pretty much intact, depending on what they do in the draft. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I think there's small minor – I think there's small changes that, you know, that they can make that, you know, that they can continue to grow. You know, the expectation is with the new head coach – um, and the front office as is, you know, they can be an eight seed in the Eastern Conference, and, you know, we'll see. You mentioned earlier that drafting Denny Avia would make Lowry Markkinen, it, it, it could be maybe like a backup plan to Lowry Markkinen, who is entering the final year of his contract. And you also just mentioned now uh, signing someone as an insurance plan to Lowry Markkinen. What, do you, what is your evaluation on him? Do you think that he – just underperformed or you think that even if he kind of underperformed that he may not be the type of piece the Bulls can be around so what's your outlook on him um I'll, I'll also add that I feel like a guy like Marcus Saul would fit, fit in Billy Donovan's um system mm-hmm. um I think that you know he would be their Stephen Adams in Chicago sure I think is it Marcus Saul went to Spain though right didn't he go back uh, or was that not official yet I know that it was it was shaky, he did, but or somebody like him, but yes, I think he did. I know there was talk about it. I don't remember what the end result was. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure how, what happened with that. I didn't. I didn't know if it was if he was just considering it, but I thought it, I didn't know if it was official or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I think ultimately, you know, when it's all said and done, though, I think um, to answer your question about Larry, uh, he's a finesse big man. He's a guard. He's a he's a he's a he's a he's a taller. I feel like finesse big men take a little longer to adapt. You know, if you're using the Dirk Nowitzki analogy, um, it took him a long time to start banging down low while still taking jumpers and still mixing it up and doing what he needed to do. I know that I've spoken with Larry in the past. I know, you know Dwayne Wade and, and 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 Kobe Bryant were his muses. He stayed up late or, or got up early in the morning in his hometown to, you know, watch the NBA finals between the the uh, the, the Mavericks and the, and the Miami Heat, I think, back in 2006. But I think ultimately injuries have played a big part. I also think that the transition, right? So mm-hmm. you look at when he came in, you had Rondo on that team, you had Dwayne Wade on that team, and you had Bobby Portis on that team. Bobby Portis, I think, was more of a of an authoritative player in that system. Um, and you've switched coaches a couple times. Mm-hmm. And you had the issue with one coach who, you know, it did you just it just I feel like he's never had a steady, consistent coach and never was able to play in a consistent system that played to his strengths. And he either was competing for a spot or he had to share the ball with vets like Rondo, like Wade. Then at the same time, you come into a situation where Levine is there and you're hurt all the time. You're competing for spots with Robin Lopez. You're, 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 you know, you're, you're, I feel like, I, I think he's, I think the pressure was on him as specific, specifically last year to be a number two. And maybe he's just not a number two. I had this conversation with former Chicago Bull Jay Williams a couple months ago on my on my digital show, Heavy Live with School B. And one of the things that he said about uh, Lonzo Ball is he feels that we need to readjust and retemper the expectations that people have for Lonzo Ball, right? So mm. comparatively, I think we need to retemper the or reassess the, the the expectations that we have 
for Larry Markin in the same breath. Because you know it's Zach Levine's team. Is it Zach Levine? Then is it Kobe White? Then is it Larry? Or is it Levine, Kobe, and uh, like who is it? Or like I, I just feel like there's they don't have an identity. And I just think with Billy Donovan, I think things could be different. Do let's talk about Kobe White. I think he showed some nice scoring prowess as far as like a microwave scorer uh, as the season ended. He had like. I think he set like a record for a rookie off the bench scoring, you know, three, like three or four games in a row where he scored 30, 30 points straight. Um, you know, he, he's probably more of a combo guard, if anything, than a than a point guard, if you will. Uh, do you think that his probably best role in long term in this league is probably like a score off the bench? Or do you think he could eventually develop, you know, as a point guard? I think he's kind of in one of those Ben Gordon type of situations. Mm. Like Ben Gordon was like a six, four shooting guard, but he's the size of a point guard. But I feel like when Kobe is strictly a point guard, it takes away from his scoring ability. And I mean like deep threat scoring ability, that boy could shoot. I think I, uh, Few months ago, Zach Levine called him a human threat, a, a human flamethrower. And um, yeah, I feel like at the end of the day, um, to answer your question, does he come off the bench? Does he start? Like, I feel like he, I feel like Kobe is young. He's 19, 20 years old, and nobody expected his impact right away. Like, I remember sitting down with Kobe last fall in between a photo shoot, and he was saying to me he felt that Kendrick Nunn at that point was the NBA's rookie of the year guy at Northern Illinois University. Like, there was no expectations for Kendrick Nunn. There was no expectations for Kobe, but they rose to the occasion. And I feel like if Kobe can replicate the season that he had this past season, this coming season, the sky's the limit. But I'm not really sure. I feel like – Okay, if you look at it, the, the starting three, do you like look at their season this year? Do you start Chris Dunn at point? Do you start Kobe at the two? And then do you start uh, Levine at the three? And then you fill it out with Ilari and um, Wendell. I feel like you give up height when you start Kobe at the two. Yeah, it's it, it it's going to be really interesting to see how Kobe and Zach fit long term because they do the same things and that's not a bad thing. You, you can have two two scorers on the court together, but it's like we mentioned earlier that you don't really have a guy that makes it all fit. You don't really have a guy like a LaMelo Ball who can be on the court, get both of them the ball, get both of them in their scoring spots and make that all work. Because then when you have both of them at the guards, it's just like, okay, great. You have scores, but who creates for marketing? Who creates for car? Like who gets those guys easy buckets? So it's, it's, it's a fun pairing, but it's, it does have like a clear, like. Pluses and minuses. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it just has a clear gap, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to get off of, uh, some of the stuff with the Bulls for a minute and talk to you about what's been going on with probably the biggest story right now involving James Harden wanting out of Houston. So a a lot's been going on with that. And it looks like the next super team could form in Brooklyn with James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Or Philadelphia or Milwaukee. Or Philadelphia or Milwaukee. So like, just what are your thoughts on everything that's going on with James Harden? And, like, what do you foresee as the resolution here? Um, I think ultimately it's got to come down to fit in what they're getting in return. Hmm. Um, to me, in order for Philadelphia to make that happen, they're going to have to give up Ben Simmons. They're going to have to give up Josh Richardson uh, or a combination of that. Um, if, if, if it's Brooklyn, Brooklyn, is going to have to give up Karis LeVert. 
They're they're going to have to give up Spencer Dinwiddie. They're going to have to give up potentially Jared Allen. I think it all comes down to, listen, Daryl Morey left, Mike D'Antoni left, um, and you brought in Steven Silas, who I think should have been an NBA head coach a long time ago. I think he's a brilliant basketball mind. Um, But I think that those guys don't want to play for a new coach. Um, It's one thing when you bring D'Antoni in. It's a completely different thing when, you know, you're starting from scratch. And I think their best chance to make that happen was in 2017 or 2018 when they were one game, Chris Paul, you know, injury away from making it to the NBA Finals. And so I, I think, you know, over the years, you look at some of the things that have gone down, Carmelo Anthony, um, you know, being cut um, and, and, and blackball. You know, you, you look at, you know, Chris Paul being traded. You look at, you know, the Russell Westbrook trade. Um, and I think Russell Westbrook has been villainized a lot. Um, and I think he still puts up stats. But, you know, I, I think as it relates to, um, you know, what it is that, that Houston is doing, there's obviously a change coming. Um, and, you know, as I reported a month ago, you know, the, the, the Rockets were looking to move everybody except James Harden. And now, you know, that's changed. I know that, you know, the Rockets, they was interested in B. I know that, you know, there's a lot of different factors that are going on. And I think that, you know, it relates to, um, you know, just the overall trajectory. I think that Philadelphia and Brooklyn uh, both have some things that um, the Rockets could be interested in. I also think that Milwaukee is, is you know, I know that, I know that, that Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, is interested in, you know, teaming up with someone to run it back. And, you know, because Paul was on that list of, of people, so was James Harden. And so, you know, I feel like when it's all said and done, um, I don't have a I don't have a crystal ball that's that that says, hey, um, he's going here at this point. I think it was very early, as I reported. He did formally request a trade today, um, but at the same token, you know, Brooklyn and Philadelphia to me are the front runners. Milwaukee is a close second. We'll see. Yeah, you, you, losing will, you know, change a lot of minds. But do you think it came down to even just their ownership? Um, obviously, there's some, you know, uh, maybe not so good uh, vibes with, with you know, the owner of the Rockets and a lot of weird things going on, obviously, with the bubble and, and stuff like that. So do you think that that played in a part, too, with Russ and Harden saying, you know what, we don't want to be part of this organization because who the owner is? Okay, <laughs> so I was just curious about that because I, I get that feel, you know, that um, especially with especially with the who the owner supports and the things that he's done um, off the court uh, with everything involved with, you know, with obviously getting rid of Daryl Mario, the China situation and all that other, you know, stuff like that. It just felt like there was a lot more going on with the Rockets than just, you know, with, with whatever, you know, issues with, with the on-court product itself. Russell Westbrook doesn't want to play for the Fertitta. Um, there's a reason why um, Mike D'Antoni uh, did not want to come back. Uh, there was a reason that um, their coaching staff was fired and let go. He took a lot of his autonomy away, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think um, you saw change coming. There's a reason why Mike did, or excuse me, there's a reason why uh, Jeff and Gundy kind of went radio silent. He was, a, you know, he was a candidate for a coaching job. You know, I spoke with Jeff uh, about a week before he went through the interview process and he got quiet, and one of the things that stood out to me in our in our interview was he moves quiet and silently with the interview process, and um, you know, kind of the things that have come out since then make a lot of sense. Um, uh, I know that it, it's just there's a lot of things that have gone on behind the scenes, just drama wise, people not getting along, and you know, even the the season before last season began, I, I reported that you know everybody on that team was available except. James Harden and uh, PJ Tucker, and uh, James and PJ are still on that team. I know now there's been conversations about Miami as a potential destination for PJ, but 
Yeah, man, that that, that Rockets team is. <laughs> it's, it's it's yeah, it's gonna get ugly. Yeah. I mean, without hard, obviously, without a player like James Harden, who's your entire offense, it it's gonna get really bad there if they don't get a good haul for him, and rightfully so, they need to get a really good haul for James Harden. So, uh, let's let's say James Harden is let's let's say he does go to Brooklyn with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Is obviously a really really talented trio, and would be the favorites to come out of the East, and. While I don't think you should ever refuse to get a player like James Harden on your team, do you feel like they would be really redundant together having three players who are really used to having the ball at all times and they're really they're all isolation scores, they're all like there's not really a guy there that well, James Harden can play make, but he's also a guy that is going to get his own shot. So what do you what do you think about the fit? Do you think the fit is potentially just a little toxic or is it it's something no. that could work out? I think that word toxic gets used too much. Mm. Uh, but I, I, res- I respect your, your question uh, respectfully. Mm. Uh, I, think, I think that um, we said the same thing about LeBron, Wade, and Bosh when they went to Miami and they won two championships. I, I think, you know, Kyrie has won a championship. Um, Kevin has won multiple championships. James is trying to win one. And, you know, really and truly, James and, and Kevin were looking to uh, win one in, in Oklahoma. But it was just too early, you know. I, I spent about a week in Oklahoma uh, last summer and really just got in tune with the culture and learned a lot. And uh, one of the things that I learned was just how much that team with the Thunder, with Russell and Kevin and James were just so talented, yet they were trying to be grown men and professional, yet be young at the same time. And that was a that was a difficult balance. Um, and I think that, you know, James and Kevin have a desire to run that back. You know, I, I think that when you when I, I, I sat down with James some years ago and I asked him what it was like to get back on the court with, you know, Kevin Durant as a member of the Rockets after, you know, years being in Oklahoma, he goes, he's, you know, he's basically said it, I'm paraphrasing, he, he savors that every time. It, it takes him back down memory lane. And, you know, I, I think um, ultimately if it happens, it makes up for lost time, even because, you know, the Nets and Serge Ibaka have expressed mutual interest in, in, in teaming up together. So, you know, um, and that's been talked about for some time. You know, that that's not really uh, – it's not new news on the Ibaka front. The hard, the the the, the, uh, the hard and stuff is kind of new uh, territory uh, for many people. And yeah, man, I I think um I think it's going to be an interesting time uh, in Brooklyn if if they're able to pull it off. And so so much so in Philadelphia too. You know, Harden and 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 and, and B playing together. And uh, you know, if, if that happens, that's cool too. You know, it's just a matter of what else they have on that roster. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it, it'll be, it's, it's always hard with chemistry and when you have those type of egos combining together, but I think you have to, like, you have to go with it because like, there's just so much talent. It's hard to turn that, you know, to say no to that type of talent coming together. You have to, you have to see, you know, uh, what happens and let, let, let it play out for sure. Uh, but Scoop, you know, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, as we're wrapping up here, uh, please let our audience know. You know, uh, obviously, I'm sure they know where to follow you. But like, if you want to let them know any new things that you got working on that's coming out, um, and anything like that, if that would be great if you let them know what, what you're up to. Heavy live with Scoop B. Uh, it's my digital show via Heavy. dot com. Follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Uh, you can watch the show there, um, but also. Um, you know, uh, check out my writing at heavy.com where I'm a senior writer. Uh, and you can also uh, check out my podcast, Scoop B Radio. We've had anyone from uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, DJ Khaled, um, uh, the voice of Siri, uh, Pete Sampras. And, you know, we've been running for some time. So, yeah, man, I, I, I uh, would implore you all to, you know, check out my written work, my video work, my podcast. And, um, yeah, thank you both, Ed and, and Celine, for giving me the opportunity to be myself on your show. 
Hey man, no, we appreciate you joining us. I, I really, I really come to appreciate your work that you do, your the brand that you've built up for yourself. It's really cool. I love, I love how when you do your interviews, you're very like personable with a lot of the people, and and you have some big people on your show. Like you had Isaiah Thomas just not too long ago, and you know, I felt like you guys were like friends in a sense, like you know, at least friendly. I've known him for five years. He grew up with my stepdad. Yeah. That's from the West Side, as is Isaiah. And um, Isaiah is, is, has, has been a resource for me uh, as a mentor, uh, as a friend, and, you know, as an ally, particularly. Yeah. That's dope. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. That's really cool, man. Yeah, like I said, you know, we definitely, we definitely appreciate you joining us and taking the time to come on and, you know, giving us your thoughts. Uh, yeah. Edward, uh, how about you? Any final thoughts as we wrap up here? Uh, yeah, no final thoughts from me. Uh, thanks to uh, Scoop for uh, joining us. Uh, quick quick question to to, uh, to uh, both of you. Right? Who do you think the Bulls are ultimately going to uh, come out of this draft with at the number four pick when it's all said and done? Just quick prediction. I don't know. I, I'll say if Melo's there, they'll take him at four. Otherwise, I don't know. I have no clue. <laughs> it's just so hard to – we don't know what to expect from AK at all because he's just – it's so brand new with him. Yeah. I think – I like Okongu as well um, out of USC. Or I, I, but I think it, it could go Benny um, when it's all said and done. Yeah, yes, I'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens getting – like this draft is process is taking so long. Like I feel like you know we're we're joking at one point where it was like the after the March Madness ended, it was another like college season before the draft <laughs> yeah. came about. So, but yeah, we'll see how that happens. But you know that's a wrap for today's show. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Bulls Gold. You can follow Edward at Edward Shula Jr. and me at Jordan Dynasty. Don't forget to tune in every Tuesday morning at AM Central on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Radio Station. In addition, if you've missed any previous shows, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and rate us a five and kind of show us some love. Thank you again to Scoop B for joining us today. And as always, for Edward Schuler and myself, thank you to all the listeners. Till next time, Bulls fans. Yeah.